Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Want to hear something really scary? At the end of this show, you will have wasted a perfectly good hour. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, he's sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you 100% pre-recorded. Uh, in uh, tonight's show, in Pipe Parts, we're going to talk about uh, tobacco in Africa. We're going to focus specifically on Africa for, uh, for uh, Pipe Parts. And I'll uh, tell you a little bit more about why that's important for us now. Uh, my guest tonight is uh, artist and new pipe smoker, Tony Carnes. And I've already heard the interview. It's absolutely perfect for the fact that this show is playing the Tuesday before Halloween. Yeah, this is the, uh, this is the episode that uh, I get to play around with some uh, scary stuff. And uh, Tony is the perfect guest for that so stay tuned for him uh in music instead of music we have a uh, story read by pipe smoker vincent price and then uh not much of a mailbag because right now as i'm doing this show it's thursday night only two days later so we'll kind of uh, skip over the mailbag but i do have some uh news updates in there for you nothing major don't get all nervous on me don't get nervous nothing major um, and then a rant, all that coming up in uh, tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And right now I thought I'd tell you about a little bit about my, uh, my pre-travel preparations. All right, so I've got uh, two tobaccos that I'm bringing, one that's uh, milder and a little more pleasant for other people to be around, and then uh, one of my favorite Virginia Periques. Well, now I know I'm going to be at times on the ship in an outdoor area, or in the inside uh, cigar lounge, so I want to make sure that I've got pipes that are going to be able to handle the uh, handle the outdoors well. Yeah, if it's a windy situation or on an island somewhere, I want to make sure and have a thick walled pipe. Um, I also want to make sure and bring my uh, my two favorite uh, Costello Sea Rocks to that are durable. I can toss them in my fanny pack, throw a pouch of tobacco in there, and away I go. Um, I'm also going to bring a couple of smaller pipes and a couple of larger pipes. Smaller pipes for when I've only got, you know, maybe a half hour, 40 minutes for a bowl. Or a larger pipe for, uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe I'll get an hour and a half to sit down and, and smoke away. So uh, I like to go through and think about where I'm going and what I'm going to be doing and where I'm going to be doing it. And make sure that I've got plenty of pipes with me. Uh, again, I'll bring a small bottle of Everclear. However, I've actually used uh, it's a it's a uh, little uh, vodka bottle because Everclear is not legal in some states and some places. Uh, but I'll use that. And you know, for a trip like this, I don't know. I'll probably bring about uh, seven or eight pipes with me. And again, I'll try only to smoke each pipe once per day and do my cleaning routine in between because that just makes it all the more enjoyable. All right. Enough of that. Let's get the show rolling. Everybody, sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company, and here we go. Meet Josh. 
Everyone at SmokingPipes.com holds customers as a high priority, but nobody interacts with them more personally than Josh. He's our professor of pipes, if you will. As a previous professor of history, educating the customer comes easily to him. He loves explaining the history of a particular pipe to a customer or coaching his customer service team. I love to help customers find that perfect piece for their collection. It's my job to make sure there's a smile on the other end of the line, and I'm more than happy to be the one to put it there. And although Josh's job can sometimes be quite demanding, he doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why? Because I don't just sell pipes, I smoke them. Call us at 1-888-366-0345. That's 1-888-366-0345. Or check us out online at SmokingPipes.com. We are quality. We are experts. We are SmokingPipes.com. Welcome back and uh, happy Halloween to everybody. And here we go with uh, tobacco in Africa. And I'll kind of build this up. So the uh, according to the uh, the Sunday Mail, the first uh, the first history of tobacco on the African continent is about 1652, when the uh, first white colonists, about uh, several months after the first white colonists, are down in uh, South Africa starting to settle there. Uh, and there's journals of use of pipes for trade. Uh, South Africa's first tobacco expert is in uh, 1719, and he comes from Amsterdam and uh, starts setting up a uh, setting up uh, tobacco farms in the Cape Colony, which ended up being South Africa. And then it goes on further. The uh, the oldest tobacco merchants. In South Africa in 1791 is a company called uh, J. Sturk comes into existence. Uh, there may have been some before that, but uh, these are the first ones. And uh, as it says here in the article, foreign soldiers help to change the colonist tobacco habits. A French regiment increases the fashion of snuff-taking. About this time, the first cigars, known as cigars, are introduced. And this type of smoking is particularly favored by English officers who picked up the custom in the Far East. Now, at that time, there is a cultivation of the plant all over the southern part of the African continent, and uh, it just goes on to, to where uh, Africa begins to be more and more of a uh, self-sufficient tobacco trade. Uh, let's see, the tobacco trade in, uh, in 1840, the tobacco trade in Cape Town is now running in well-recognized channels and advertisements are common in the press. Uh, what happens in, uh, uh, in the 18, uh, 1888 is, uh, James Buck Duke, uh, the founder of the American Tobacco Company, begins distributing cigarettes in South Africa and, uh, what happens is the sales guy that he brings over just sets the uh, sets the foundations for an organized cigarette trade in the country of South Africa and begins really kind of organizing and uh, industrializing the uh, the European or the 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 African cigarette on tobacco trade. Now, the reason I bring this up is because the tobacco industry as a whole, uh, we've talked about how China is dramatically in, uh, 
in tonnage just the biggest tobacco grower in the world. Well, in the Asian and African continents, uh, second to China is India. The two we're going to focus on is uh, Malawi, and then Malawi comes in third, and then Zimbabwe comes in fifth. Now, if you look on a map and you look at the country of Malawi, you'll notice that Malawi is relatively small for an African country. Uh, however, according to Wikipedia, which is a, a reliable source, as of 2010, Malawi is the world's leading producer of burly leaf tobacco. Uh, it says here, with the decline of tobacco farms in the West, interest in Malawi's low-grade, high-nicotine tobacco has increased. Today, Malawian tobacco is found in blends of nearly every cigarette smoked in industrialized nations, including the popular and ubiqui ubiquitous Camel and Marlboro brands. It's the world's most tobacco-dependent economy. Uh, in the 1970s, there were several changes for the tobacco industry in Malawi that would have lasting effects on the industry today. International tobacco manufacturing companies identified Malawi in, 19, in the 1970s as a possible ally for fighting against tobacco control. Uh, it goes on to say again, and uh, you know, there's there's been some flooding and problems there, but uh, there's been war, you know, warring tribes and stuff like that that has affected it. The reason I mention Malawi is because burley leaf from Malawi is one of the predominant sources of pipe tobacco burley that's used in most American style aromatics. Uh, it's not the same low-grade, high-nicotine leaf that is grown for cigarettes. It's a little bit more expensive, a little bit more uh, labor-intensive. But if you smoke an American aromatic tobacco, an American-style aromatic tobacco, you're getting burly tobacco from Malawi. Uh, bur the burleys from Malawi may also be used in you know, in the in the non-aromatic blends as well because it's just getting that good. Uh, the other country I want to touch on quickly is uh, Zimbabwe, and uh, Zimbabwe is the uh, uh, over ninety-five percent of Zimbabwe's tobacco consists of flu cured, which is renowned for its flavor. Fifty-four percent of Zimbabwe's tobacco was exported to China. Uh, we use in the U.S. a lot of flu-cured leaf for uh, cigarettes and for pipe tobacco, and a lot of the uh, European manufacturers use a lot of flu-cured, uh, Virginia flu-cured leaf, and most of it's coming from Zimbabwe. And uh, Zimbabwe's roots in tobacco uh, go all the way back to when the British arrived there in 1889 and colonized it, uh, that's back when it was southern Rhodesia. Uh, the European colonists reserved half of the country's land for their own use. Uh, the, high, uh, the high yield was not desirable for growing food crops or, raise, or raising livestock, so the company turned to tobacco as a crop that could thrive in the sandy soil. Uh, Rhodesia modeled its tobacco industry on the United States, adopting American production methods to grow Virginia tobaccos. So there you see where 
Most of the burley leaf is coming from Malawi, and most of the Virginia leaves that we see, especially in the European-made tobaccos, most of it's coming now from Zimbabwe. They Both countries have very long traditions and have uh, developed a really good product. And uh, unfortunately, they're in uh, some less than stable areas, and there's been turmoil at times where uh, tobacco's been cut off. Uh, but right now, they're all making pretty good leaf. All right, there's a little uh, history of uh, tobacco in Africa. If you want to hear more detailed stuff like that, let me know. Uh, send me an email, brian at pipesmagazine.com, or uh, post it on the forums. All right, uh, hold on to your irreverent side, because in a minute, artist Tony Carnes. This is Internet Radio. Heck, I wish I had a genie who could make it easy to order pipes and tobaccos online. You don't need a genie, sir. Visit fournoggins.com. They stock all your favorite pipes and tobaccos, and every order gets fast personal attention. Orders are packed carefully and shipped quickly by priority mail. Fournoggins.com Fournoggins.com I can still see you, you know. A bit rusty, sir. Fournoggins.com This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show on a uh, pre-recorded, pre-Halloween show, and I'm excited to introduce our guest to you because uh, uh, he's perfect for Halloween. I mean, some of the artwork is a little interesting and spooky, scary, freaky, but uh, he's also a relatively brand new pipe smoker, so please welcome Tony Carnes to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Hey, everybody. All right, so uh, Tony, let's get to know you because I I barely know you. Where did you uh, where Where are you from? Where did you grow up, and uh, all that stuff? Uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. I've lived here my whole life, and I'm 43 now, so there's a few years there. <laughs> uh, so, are you a Volunteers fan? Uh, I'm one of the very few that uh, will say no. I <laughs> <laughs> I think orange is meant for Halloween, not for a Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> which is why we have you on now because uh, your artwork is perfect for halloween uh, when did the when did you first start drawing and doing any kind of art when i was a small child my dad used to sit me at the, the kitchen table and he would draw and he would draw something and he would pass it over to me and have me draw something else to it so we would just go back and forth drawing things and it was mostly comic strips like uh, the peanuts and that kind of thing it wasn't the, the scary stuff that i got into later on all right so how do we get into the scary stuff and what do you i, I guess what do you what do you call exactly your your style uh, i guess i would be considered a horror artist 
that's what I do most of the time. I do some other things too, like portraits, and I've done a few landscape things. It's just everything seems to always come back to the the scary stuff. But I blame that on my squandered youth watching Hammer horror movies and the, the late night shows, and then play all the Universal monsters and all those things when I was younger. Now, did you have any formal art training, or is this just natural, uh, gifted talent that you're abusing and practicing? Uh, natural talent that I'm abusing and practicing. I've, I had a, a couple of art classes in middle school and high school, but after that it was just uh, my own demented twist that <laughs> carried me down the road. Uh now you're not one of those people that wears like horns on your head and all kinds of piercings on your face and all that stuff all day long, are you? No, I've got a my left ear is pierced and, and that's about it. I've got a few tattoos, but no, I'm I'm not into the extreme stuff. I uh, like flying on planes, and I would hate to have to take all that stuff off. <laughs> And you also have uh, you have your own family with uh, with young kids, and you'll agree that your artwork is probably a lot of it's not for young kids. Oh, definitely not. There's there's some of the the nicer things that I'll I'll show my kids, but yeah, that's it's definitely not for children. Uh, so, I mean, what what area of the art? Well, let me ask this even. Let me let me try asking this better. Uh, what exactly is it that drew you to the horror slasher kind of stuff? I've always liked scary movies, and and there's always every time I watch a scary movie, there's always something that I think, well, they could have improved this. Or like, and I'm not saying that what I'm doing is an improvement on what somebody's already got, but there's always that one thing that anytime you watch a movie, there's well, I wonder if they did this. I wonder if it, and I'm sure any artist is like that. They always think of somebody else's art. And think, well, what if they did that? I know uh, the uh, Mozart movie, Amadeus, that seems to be what he was always doing and always aggravated the other artists because he would say, well, here's what your music sounds like, but this is what I can do with it. But like I said, I don't think I'm that much of an expert, but it just makes you think more and, and you kind of draw on other things to build up your own stuff. Do you ever get the chance just to sit down with a piece of paper and you and start with an idea and go with it? Not as much as I used to. Whenever before I became a somewhat professional at it, I, all the things that I did do were just what I wanted to do. But now I'm where I'm working with other people, and that's more of a challenge too because you'll have somebody give you an idea that they have and, and you take from that and and build on it. And sometimes you, you get exactly what they want, and other times it takes a lot of trial and error to finally get what it is they're trying to get across. But uh, both, I enjoy both of them, doing my own thing. And like I said, it's it's a nice challenge to try to do something that another person's describing to you. Uh, where can we see some of your artwork professionally? Actually, I, a couple of years ago, I did a... I know, Krampus is a, a really popular thing in literature and, and movies now, but a couple of years ago I did my own poem and an illustrated book that's on Amazon called The Yule Demon. And uh, that's it's suitable for all ages. That's one of the things that I've, I've done where I you know when my kids to be able to have something I've done. If I kill over, they can say, hey, look what my dad did, and not be ashamed of it. <laughs> Uh, and you do album covers for, uh, or album, I guess they're not album covers anymore. That's uh, album artwork. 
I have. I've done a few things for a couple of bands in Ohio. Uh, there's a, a big death metal scene there, and, and fortunately they, they really enjoy the way I draw, so I've got to know a lot of those guys and, and do things for them. Do they come... One of the great things about... Uh, do they come to you with an idea of what they want the album cover to look like? They do. Most of the time they already have something in their head is what they want to see. But there's a few times that they'll tell me, just here's kind of a basic thing and do your thing. So I really enjoy getting to do that whenever they they let me run wild, so so to speak. Do you When they let you run wild, do you listen to the album and try to pick up on something from it for inspiration? Definitely. I try to, to get it as close to what they're lyrically putting out there as I can, because if I, if that song that's telling one story and I do something completely different, then that just kind of destroys the, the link between the art and the music. And uh, and I, I would imagine sometimes the ideas have just been uh, completely different than what the band thought would come out. Yeah, you, you have to, uh, it's just like uh, illustrating the book, you have to have some idea of what they're trying to get across or you completely miss the mark and then I'm out of a job. Or or you've got another fresh piece of artwork for your own files. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's what you wanted me to do, but I did this instead. <laughs> yeah. uh, you you also tend to use a lot of um, women that aren't wearing any clothes. Uh, do, you, do you draw those from memory or do you have models come in for you? Uh, no, no live models, anything like that. It's oh, like darn. I said, it's a little bit of any. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had that question a lot. Who is she? Oh, I have no idea. But uh, <laughs> but now <laughs> most of it's movies, TV, a lot of just different influences. All right, so let's talk. Let's talk about pipe smoking. Um, what brought you to it? And I know it's only been what a month or two that you since you started smoking a pipe. Yes, it's, it's been since a friend of mine named Brian Burnett, he started uh, making pipes to see how he could do and, and what he could do with it. And uh, I found one in my mailbox one day with a note that says, enjoy, buddy. And uh, I've been enjoying ever since. Uh, did you smoke anything prior to that? Any tobacco product? Only cigars. There used to be a Carolina Cigar Company. They had a store here in town for a while, and I really enjoyed those. And then I got out smoking cigars, and then, uh, like I said, the, the pipe showed up in my mailbox one day, and I enjoyed that far more than I ever enjoyed the cigars, really. So, what, I mean, what's different for you about uh, the cigar versus the pipe? The major thing is you're not constantly pulling tobacco off your tongue while you're trying to smoke. <laughs> But uh, um, I don't know, it seems like you get more flavor through the, the pipe. I don't know if it's somewhat of a filter or, or what, but it just seems like you get more of the flavors that way than you do with a cigar. And uh, what what tobaccos have you started with? And this will kind of lead into how we met. Well, I, I was dying to try something, so I went out and bought Sir Walter Riley was the first thing I smoked, and... Uh, I really wasn't too happy with it. It was there was a lot of burn to it. Whenever the smoke would go come through, it was uh, I don't know. It just there was something missing. And then there's a, a local tobacco place that I found called the Smoke Pit, and they had several different versions of 
tobacco, and I found Queen Anne's Revenge, which is your product, and I love that one. That's great. I love the rum flavor. Yeah, and that leads us into one of the other things you like to draw, which is uh, pirates. Yep, yep. I love the, the pirate stories. I, every time I go to the beach, I have to find something that's got pirates involved in it so I can get a little history. And do you, I mean, do you do do you study the history or pay attention to the history, and then go back home and try drawing something that sticks in your mind from it? Yes. Yeah, we uh, went to the Outer Banks a couple of years ago, and well, they've got so much stuff about Blackbeard and Ocracoke Island, where they have a, a museum there dedicated to Blackbeard. I when I well, I started drawing there. I couldn't wait till I got home. So, <laughs> but and actually, one of the drawings I did of Blackbeard is in Teach's Hole, which is the museum on Ocracoke. So I'm really proud of that. So now you're a uh, you're a displayed artist in uh, in in a uh, in a permanent museum. Yeah, see, so I can do something besides scary stuff or the nudity. <laughs> uh, and and some of I mean some of your stuff that you do is just plain old kind of weird looking and nothing really scary or strange about it. It's just Kind of weird. Yeah, therapy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was it? I mean, what what did you learn about Blackbeard that surprised you the most? Um, probably that he had he wore red ribbons in his beard when he didn't have the uh, the cannon wicks that were on fire to scare the other ships. He would wear red ribbons in his beard. I thought that was kind of strange. <laughs> yeah. I guess even a pirate wants to be pretty. <laughs> he he was a uh, he he was a decorative fellow. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and after seeing the uh, the Disney interpretation of Blackbeard, how close is that to the original? Um, well, but he's got a black beard. But... <laughs> so, <laughs> so that that oh well, that that's about close enough. <laughs> but and uh, funny thing I found out getting into all this stuff Jeffrey Rush's character Barbosa in the pirate movies yeah is actually closer to what Blackbeard looked like than Blackbeard in the movie because Jeffrey Rush did a little history and the hat the whole thing is it came from the way Blackbeard was described in the historical Blackbeard <laughs> So, so that well, that would explain why Blackbeard couldn't look like him because it looked like they were twins. Yeah, don't want twinsies in a movie. <laughs> we're gonna take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, Halloween and more pipe smoking with Tony. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 Collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. 
the exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking archipelago red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with uh, part-time artist, part-time pipe smoker, Tony Carnes. Uh, Tony, is uh, is Halloween a big deal at your house? Oh, we love Halloween. We go trick-or-treating still. I've got a 13 and a 9-year-old, and, and they we wait the whole year to get to October so we can dress up and go out and get candy. Uh, does Dad dress up? Watch all the scary movies. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Are there? Uh, well, let's see. This show's going to come out about uh, four or five days before Halloween. Uh, maybe six days. I'm trying to do the math in my head. Um, are there any of the classics that you absolutely love and would suggest people watch? You can't go wrong with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original. Don't bother with any of the remakes, all the reboot stuff. I wish, I really wish that Hollywood would take a bad movie and try to make it better instead of making a good movie worse. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, The Omen, The Exorcist is probably in the number one spot as far as just still scares the crap out of me every time I watch it. Um, Rosemary's Baby, uh, Halloween. I never got into the sequels, though. You take the, uh, the first movie and watch it and just kind of forget about the rest. It was like Highlander. Are you a Highlander fan? Nope. To watch that movie. It's a great movie. All the continuations are terrible, though. All the uh, and, the last scary movie I saw was The Exorcist when it came out, and that was it. I was done. <laughs> yeah, that's that one. Like I said, that one's still. I watch it and get goosebumps. That's they did a really good job. And if you ever get a chance to read the book, it's even worse. I mean, it keep you up at night. No, I'm good. Thanks. Um. What did uh, what did what did Hollywood do to the remakes of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre that that you didn't like? Just completely getting rid of the, you know they have a story simply because they have to have one, but just the whole overboard with blood and and uh, pushing the whole sexual envelope and everything that they do. I mean even. I don't know. It just seems like they try to go over the top with everything but a good plot. <laughs> just put a whole bunch of messy stuff up there on the screen and make people scream at it. And the Saw movies are a perfect example of that. Just We'll get by with as little bit of a story as we can get and just overload the senses with as much red fluid we can fling. And to get to a happier subject, although I'm not really that happy about it because I wasn't there, you just got back from Walt Disney World and the uh, Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween parties, so tell us how it was, and I won't listen for a little bit. It was awesome. Disney's always awesome, but, well, they really know how to do Halloween. It was anybody that's familiar with the Hocus Pocus movie, they had the Sanderson sisters. They did a whole show out in front of the castle. They had all the villains from the other Disney movies. It was 
me, my wife, my kids, we all felt like we were eight years old sitting in front of the TV watching Disney. I mean, it just, it really does make you feel like a little kid again. It's a great place to go. Uh, did you get to meet the Headless Horseman? I did not. I was disappointed, but we were kind of in sensory overload. We were running around everywhere trying to catch things, and we missed the blade. We could see the end of it, but um, we're not disappointed, though, because it was it was such a great time that we can, we can miss that and still be good. Uh, now, switching back to pipe smoking, because I don't want to talk about me not being at Disney World anymore. Uh, <laughs> How often, I mean, how many times a week are you smoking your pipe now? Um, I've got a buddy that smokes with me sometimes, so when he's around, we'd probably go overboard, but around once a week, maybe twice. And is, is it for uh, just sit back and relax time, or is it to uh, do something with while you're doing something else? sit back and relax. I'll, I'll go to my back porch and fill a bowl and, and sit out there and listen to the birds chirp and yeah, you, think of how grateful I am for all I've got. So, yeah. You, you do live in a uh, pretty part of the country, although from where I'm at, it's the wrong side of the Smoky Mountains. <laughs> hey, we're, we're both close to the mountains, so we can agree on that. We're, we're good next to the mountains. Yeah, it's just the IQ goes down a little bit when you go over that other side for some reason. I just don't understand it. But uh, yeah. Well, I, I won't argue with you on that. Could be that you guys are a football state and we're a basketball state. But yeah. Could be. Could be. <laughs> um, <laughs> what are you uh, pipe wise? What are you? Are you? You're still trying everything and. Taste testing stuff and still exploring, which I'm kind of jealous of. I am, I am. It's uh, still trial and error right now, but so far, um, like I said, I haven't done a whole lot. But Queen Anne's Revenge is—it's my favorite. I've, I've tried a couple other things and I'll come back. Um, peaches and cream—I I like it a lot. But like I said, I'll smoke that. Come back to Queen Anne's Revenge. I love that rum flavor. I don't know if that means I'm some kind of secret alcoholic or not, but. It could just be the pirate in you. Could be our. <laughs> All right. Uh, where can we go to see your artwork or get a hold of you to buy something or talk to you about having you do something that might scare our in laws out of our house from ever coming back? <laughs> uh, you can go to Facebook, The Art of Tony Carnes. And uh, like I said, I've got my. Christmas book on Amazon, The Yule Demon, and uh, yeah, look me up on Facebook. Even if you don't want anything, if you don't want me to draw something for you, you can buy and look at my uh, artwork and see what you think. Leave a comment and tell me where I need to improve. I love uh, constructive criticism, so you won't hurt my feelings. Oh, we're, we're pipe guys. We're really good at criticism. <laughs> uh, no. Don't take any offense to that, all you pipe guys, but we're all good at it. Uh, your last name is Carnes, K-A-R-N-E-S. It's The Art of Tony Carnes on Facebook. Go check it out. And, uh, Tony, for all the uh, relatively new pipe smokers, I always give you the app, the opportunity to ask me or uh, or many of our opinionated listeners 
any questions, uh, fire away with uh, with what you got. What do you want to know about pipe smoking? Um, the, the color of tobacco. I know with cigars, the darker the tobacco, the, the harsher. Is it the same way with uh, pipe tobacco, or does that even play in since you're not smoking the, the tobacco with a leaf wrapped around it? Uh, it does play in, and it depends because the darker the tobacco is in an aromatic blend like uh, Queen Anne's Revenge or any of the any of the flavored tobaccos that the darker is actually milder because it's been heated steamed and treated to sweat out all the impurities so it's actually a a, a little bit lower nicotine a little lower intensity uh, but if you get really? in if you get into some of the English blends, then that dark tobacco in there is going to be Latakia, and that's the one that kind of smells like burning leaves, or the way I describe it, because I don't like it at all, is it smells like the back end of an old diesel school bus. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm obviously not a fan of it, but a lot of people are, and that's more intense flavor to me. Uh, same thing when you get into cigars, where if you get a real Maduro wrapper, it's going to be uh, just a sweeter, milder than a like a sun-grown wrapper. Um, yeah, that sun-grown is going to be a little higher, higher nicotine, more kick to it. But the uh, yeah, so it, it's there's no real true answer. But in the aromatics, the darker, the milder, and the sweeter it's going to be. Uh, what else you got? Um, the uh, the material that the pipe's made out of does that play any into the flavor? Yeah, as long as the FDA's not listening. Um, <laughs> most pipes nowadays, the the predominance of pipes are made out of briar, uh, or the the root of the heath bush. And briar is used because it imparts a very light natural sweetness or nuttiness to it and is really heat resistant. Um, if you switch into meerschaum, which is the white, uh, the white pipes that are sometimes ornately carved, um, that's got a very neutral taste to it, kind of a, a little bit drier smoke. Uh, same thing with clay. Um, Corncob pipes are some of the most neutral and at the same time kind of tolerant of the moisture pipes uh, out there, I guess. And that's one of the reasons why they're not only are they inexpensive, but they're so popular is because they just give a real simple, tolerant tobacco taste to them. Uh, when you when you start getting into stuff like olive wood or strawberry wood or some of the other exotic woods that have been used in the past and are still used now, yeah, you get a little you, you get a little different a, a different effect from it. Uh, Morta is another one, and especially with all the with all the uh, dark, grim, and gory stuff that you're into, you may like Morta because it's. Uh, yeah, fossilized oak that's been sucked that's been soaked in a swamp for uh, uh you know hundreds and hundreds of years and sometimes comes out just pure black and raunchy looking uh but it gives a different flavor to the tobacco so you can 
as you go through your path of discovery on pipe smoking, you'll find that not only do different uh, different styles and shapes of pipes smoke slightly differently, but then the different materials that the pipes are made out of smoke even uh, even more differently. More differently. That's a brilliant way to say it. Uh, but even add another level of variance to it. Uh, does that make that's sense? Cool. It does. Very cool. Yeah, I mean that's very interesting. Yeah, I mean that that's why I said I'm I'm kind of jealous of you because you're right at the beginning of a whole bunch of exploration and discovery into finding out what it is you really like and what it is you don't really like. Um and I've been doing this for a while and I'm kind of stuck with what I like. So <laughs> I don't like you anymore. Plus you went to Disney World and uh Two strikes against me. Yeah. Uh, did you come back with a whole bunch of candy? We did. We're, we've got it all spread out on the table. And, you know, with years ago, and I don't know how many of your listeners will remember this, which I'm sure they will for my age, the whole uh, razor blade and all the bad stuff that they were saying they're putting in candy and all that stuff, even to yeah. this day, we still examine all the candy before we let our kids have it. And uh, it's really sad, but it's really safe, so... Well, you know, if you go to Disney World and you get candy, you're okay, except for eating the apples. The apples are never good. Yeah, put you to sleep. That, that's not never good. <laughs> yeah, although at the end of a long day of being at Disney World, a little bite off the apple and a sleep overnight sounds good sometimes. Yeah. Could <laughs> you find out the right dosage? <laughs> yeah, or in my case, it's usually just barely make it back into the room and then fall down on the bed and out I go. <laughs> all right tony we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions no right answer no wrong answer just whatever comes to your mind are you ready i'm ready uh should be a simple one for you what is your favorite pipe the one that my buddy brian burnett made for me and what is your favorite tobacco queen Anne's revenge and what is your favorite drink? I'm a snob when it comes to beer, but I really like Newcastle Brown. The 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 old fashioned one out of a bottle. Yes. Don't get any better. Uh, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Music. Uh, death metal music. Most of the time, it's classic rock. So you, so you've got Except wide, you've got wide taste in music as well as uh, artwork and everything else. Yes, I, I, the only thing I really don't like, I don't care for rap. Can't really relate to that. But everything else, I'll, I'll give everything a spin. <laughs> uh, and last question, maybe tough for you because it's a relatively short time, and I hope this doesn't involve anything at Disney World. Uh, do you have a particularly favorite pipe smoking related memory? Um, I'm still working on my memory, so I don't have a favorite yet. Well, check back with us in a year and let us know what you do, what what your favorite one I is. Will. I'll do it. 
All right, so check out Tony's art. It's the art of Tony Carnes, K-A-R-N-E-S, on Facebook. And uh, I guess uh, happy Halloween to you and your family over there on the other side of the Smokies. Thank you. Happy Halloween to you. And we'll be back in just a minute. Signore, signore, scusi per favore, but what is that intoxicating and delicious aroma coming from your pipe? Oh, uh, this is Molto Dolce, my all-time favorite blend from Sutliff Tobacco. Do you like it? I found it on SutliffMoltoDolce.com. Do you mind if I try? Oh, signore, this truly is Molto Dolce. So charming that you even speak my language as it is truly very sweet. <laughs> just like you, I am sure. I can just taste the warm caramel and sweet dripping honey gushing through my mouth. Oh, and even better, the rich vanilla flavor plays so well with the other tastes over my tongue. It is like they are all having a giant playful pillow fight on smooth and silky sheets of tobacco in my mouth. Pure heaven! Mi piace moltissimo, mi amore. Can't you see it, signore? I can see it. I can see it. And signore, best of all, no tongue bite. Grazie un milione for the pipe, signore. Hey! Sightlift Tobacco Company will not be held responsible for any loss of one's favorite pipe customers may experience when smoking our delicious Malto Dolce blend in public. This is Internet Radio. We are back, and uh, seriously, do check out Tony's artwork. It's uh, really cool stuff and uh, might be perfect for uh, Halloween for next year if you order a piece. All right, for uh, instead of music, uh, Vincent Price, the uh, wonderful uh, voice of Vincent Price, pipe smoker, uh, from an album called Tales of Witches, Ghosts, and Goblins. This is a story read by Vincent Price called The Smoker. A boy lived in the woods, and his father told him never to go eastward but to play in the clearing by their hut, or to walk towards the west. For some years the boy obeyed his father, but as he grew older and the paths of the west became dusty with use, he felt himself drawn to the unknown trees and the green trackways, and one day he set off towards the east. He found a lake and knelt down to drink, but the water was alive with savage fish, and he nearly lost a hand. He crouched by the shore and watched the fins swirl the water, and a stranger came up behind him so softly that the boy knew nothing until the man spoke. Let us see who can throw a spear the farthest. <laughs> Very well, said the boy. And he won easily. Let us run around the lake, said the man. I agree, said the boy, and he won that too. Let me show you the island in the middle of the lake, said the man. Do you like fish, said the boy? I can see the island from here. The man whistled, 
and a boat came into sight drawn by three flying swans. The man and the boy stepped into the boat and were carried to the island. But as soon as they landed, the boy wished that he had stayed at home, for the man knocked him down and left him and went back across the lake. The boy felt his bruises. Nothing was broken, although he ached from the fists. He limped about the island to find food, but there was little except berries and roots and no shelter. He sat and watched the night come. If you would be good enough to dig an inch or so into the earth, said a voice close by him, you would do me a great kindness. The boy was startled, for there was no one to be seen. I'm in the leaf mold, said the voice. The boy scraped the last year's autumn, and underneath he found a skeleton lying yellow on the ground. I am much obliged, said the skeleton. Now one more thing, if you will. Under that tree just by the bowl, there's a pouch buried. Would you bring it to me? The boy put his hand down by the bowl, and found a tobacco pouch in the soil, and a pipe, and flint. It would gratify me, said the skeleton, if you would light the pipe and put it in my mouth. The boy did so, and held the pipe between the skeleton's teeth. Ah, thank you, thank you, said the skeleton. It's the mice, you see. They nest in my ribs, and only the smoke will move them. Such a torment they are, and such a blessing this is. The boy sat without moving until the skeleton had finished the pipe. Now, said the skeleton, you will want to know what you can do about the man who brought you here. Well, I'll help you. He's on his way now with dogs to hunt you for sport. So you must run up and down all over the island, leaving tracks, and be sure to touch every tree. Then when he comes, hide at the top of a tree, and they will never find you. And that is what the boy did. And the dogs could not find him, for his scent was everywhere. At dawn the man took them off and went back to the land. He will come at night, said the skeleton, and it will be to drink your blood. But you must dig a hole in the sand near where the boat is beached and wait for him to start looking for you. All that day the boy held the pipe for the skeleton. And remember, said the skeleton, don't return for a year. Then... If you will bring me a little tobacco, perhaps, it would be most beneficial. Indeed it would. The boy hid in the sand until the man had disappeared among the trees, and then he ran to the boat and jumped in. As soon as they felt the movement, the swans flew back to the land, taking boat and boy with them safely among the deadly fish. And the boy went home 
and stayed westwards for a year. At the end of the year he made his way to the lake again. The swans were waiting. The island was unchanged. I've brought a new pipe and pouches of tobacco, said the boy. You are more than considerate, said the skeleton. The nesting season has been a great burden. The boy lit the pipe, and the mice were soon cleared. Can I do anything more to help you, said the boy? You saved my life. Shall I bury you? No, said the skeleton. I would rather know the sun and the rain, the wind and the moon, and let them do their work. It's pleasanter here than in the dark. So the boy built a hut on the lake shore, and each day he came with the swans to light the skeleton's pipe and to keep him company until the sun and the rain, the wind and the moon had done their work, and nothing remained to tempt the busy mice. What a wonderful voice. And apparently if you smoke a pipe, it'll keep the uh, mice away. If you keep the mice away, there won't be any snakes either. All right, since we don't really have a mailbag, I thought and I was advised that, uh, hey, maybe some of you that are relatively new listeners might want a little update on uh, what I do. Uh, my full-time job is the head of sales and marketing for Sutliff Tobacco, a McBaron company. And in that job, one of the things that I do is uh, make sure that uh, all of our retailers have all the product they need. Uh, in the past, I would deal with new introductions, but that's not really going to happen. Uh, I spend a lot of time communicating with uh, consumers and uh as well as retailers and trying to get everybody educated. Um, one of the other things I like to do is uh, pipe shows, which brings me to the uh, next trip that I have after I get back, uh, the West Coast Pipe Show in Las Vegas, Nevada. And I know you all have heard me talk enough about pipe shows, but uh, I like going there. I like attending them. We'll be there representing our stuff. Um in addition to uh, what I do for on the sales side and on the marketing side, in my position, I get to spend a lot of time with the guys in the factory with uh, quality control issues and uh, batch testing. Um, in the past, when there was something new, and still, I'm, I'm still getting samples of uh, new blends from the folks in Denmark because they want to see what I think of what they're making and introducing throughout the world. Um, but we do work hand-in-hand hand because they want other opinions on uh, tobacco products. So sometimes I've got to sit down and taste a couple of different variations and it may not be the style of tobacco that I like. Uh, remember, I'm the leading expert on my own opinion. And my own opinion says that I really don't like Latakia blends. And I'm not a big fan of, uh, of aromatics. So, But I do have to, uh, I have to sit down and taste test them. Um, the other thing that I spend a lot of time doing is planning our trade shows. Our trade events. Uh you know, coordinating the displays and the uh, and the graphics that are going to go at them, 
and uh, whatever uh, whatever promotions we have to do. So that's my full-time job. And in the past, I've worked for Brigham. I've worked for uh, SmokingPipes.com. Uh, prior to that, I worked for the uh, IPCPR, the Trade Association, for a couple of years. Spent uh, several years for with Peter Stokeby. And then before that, worked for uh, Alfred Dunhill in the retail side and a uh, little-known importer called Hulk O'Roar, which I've had my uh, my former boss, Brad Weinfeld, on the show. So if you want to hear more about that and you missed that episode, uh, go back and uh, go back and listen to that one. All right, if you have any uh, suggestions for the show, guests that you'd like to hear on the show, topics that you'd like to hear us cover, please email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, or you can post them right on the forums, uh, right on the Pipes Magazine radio show page, right under this show. You can just go on there and click. And uh, while I'm asking you to do stuff for us, Really appreciate any iTunes ratings or reviews that you can leave. It doesn't cost you anything to do. If you're not registered on iTunes, go in there, sign up real quick, and then uh, click on the Pipes Magazine radio show and leave a rating or review right there. All right. Uh, Next week, I will be back in town, back here live for you, give you a trip update, have a guest. We'll get caught up on the real mailbag. And uh, in the meantime, hey, rant time. Coming up next. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. At Cornell and Deal, we think the best things in life are better with age, and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, Each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. Currently, the Cellar Series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenet's Cake, Joie de Vivre, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, but we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell and Deal's Cellar Series. The secret ingredient is time. Contact your local or online retailer for information. Cowboy. Cowboy. We all know that company customer service is uh, mostly dead. It's very rare that we find somebody that you can actually talk to and get an answer from. I'll give you a simple example. My uh, issues uh, recently with American Airlines losing my bag on a direct flight and my bag coming two hours later, I decided to wait for the bag at the airport and thus missing, making me miss the free manager's reception and uh, costing me, you know, about 20 bucks, $25. Well, when I'd asked for a uh, meal voucher for the, for the airport while I waited, I thought they'd give me a $20 voucher for the, you know, just to go get a drink and a burger or something and wait in the airport. It was going to cost them way more than that to have the bag 
delivered to my hotel by courier, but I wanted to wait. I didn't want to wait for the courier to come three hours after the flight, after the last flight. So I get on the phone and I email American Airlines and they give me the standard answer, sorry, we don't do that anymore. And I said, well, if you'll read in my letter in a response to them, I said, if you'll read in my letter, I understand your policy is not to do it anymore. What I'm writing you is to tell you that your policy sucks. And I got a very polite response back from somebody who said, I'm sorry you disagree with our policy, but that is our policy and we don't do that anymore. I said in a response to them again, I said, okay, who do I address a letter to to tell them that your policy sucks and that you need to change it? They said, send it to corporate. And then, okay, I got a hold of a corporate email address, emailed my situation, emailed copies of all the emails back and forth, and guess what I got back? Yeah, they pushed me back down to the same people that I talked before to, and they said, sorry, we don't do that anymore. I said, guess what? Your policy sucks. All right, there you go. Uh, hey, hope you all are having a good week. Hope you all have a uh, safe and happy Halloween I want to thank Tony for joining me. Thank you all for uh, listening in. And until next time. the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny See, I told you. <laughs> <laughs>